Good morning. That was pitiful. Good morning. Man, just so glad to be here this morning. I don't know what that is. I'm just going to leave that there. Um, so glad to be here this morning with you guys and so glad just to dig into this word. Before we get there, I'm just going to pray one more time um, so you can pray with me or for me or you can go to sleep, whatever you want to do, right? Um, Father God, this morning, we're just asking you to move in this place, God. I'm, I'm not powerful. I don't have any ability or my in me, God. I'm just turning. Um, you just reminded me of what the purpose of the gospel was. And it's not that we wouldn't go to hell. And it's not even that we would go to church. But God, in, in your word, we see that was, man was created. We are created with relation, for relation to place of nearness. That God, we can be brought out of darkness and into your marvelous light with you. And God, I know maybe some of us hear that and we automatically jump to, I'm already saved. And that's great. Hallelujah. But if our salvation is not a salvation that leads us to experience God, then it's not a salvation that's worth very much. God, you offered us a way back into relationship with you, not religion for you. God, this morning, I'm just praying that you just would move that into our hearts, that rescue into our lives. God, we love you. Just speak. God, your word says it's living and effective and sharp. And God, I believe that. I wouldn't even stand up here. So God, this morning, just move. It's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Bible, we're going to be in Genesis this morning. I think I said, I don't know if it's a series of, um, of repentance. There's this need in us for repentance, for this rescue. And what are we being rescued from? I think for many of us, we think, you know, we're being rescued from bad behavior, right? We're being rescued from hell or something like that, that maybe is like the undertones or the undercurrent of of what the, the true rescue is. But in reality, it's something far deeper than that. And it's just kind of um, amazing for me what God's speaking. And I just pray through the Holy Spirit this morning that he'll open our eyes to the the real issue. And this morning we're going to be in Genesis 4. And I think it's a story most of us have heard about Cain and Abel. Maybe you've heard those names tossed around before. Since from the beginning, let's catch up on what's happened so far. Chapter is beginning in the beginning. God, character that's introduced in the first of Paul. It's, it's not a story of any of those people. This whole book is a story about this character, God. And what this book is teaching us is not um, moral lessons. It's teaching us about the character of this God. Who is this God? Who is this God that's introduced to us in in, in Verse 1, and we see just in chapter 1, over the next six days, God does some pretty amazing things. He creates everything. I don't mean like animals and plants, but like everything. There was nothing except for God, and out of nothing, he made everything. Isn't that crazy? Even the word for created is a word that's never used in any other context except for God. 
because no one else can create like God. See, me and you, we can create, right? We can take some material and other material and put them together and make a thing, but we can't do what only God can do, which is out of nothing, make everything. And we see God in perfect order create everything. And inside of that creation, we see he planted a garden. Inside of that garden, he put some people. And and what God did in this garden was kind of an amazing thing. This garden was God's space, and he allowed man to live inside of God's space. And Adam and Eve walked with God. Every day, God would come, and he would actually visit them. It says in three, what, they they knew the sound of his footsteps, that, that God would physically show up every day in the garden, and he would spend time with them. And, and I think that's amazing because in that we find purpose. That's the reality of what we were created for. We were created to live inside of God's space with God. We weren't created to, to, to work and go through the motions and we weren't created to breathe and all those things. We weren't created for any of those things in particular. We weren't created to amass wealth and fortune and a name for ourselves. We were created to live in God's space with God. And in God's space, he did some amazing things. He'd show up every day and they would have this relationship, this intimacy. And he said, hey... Um, you can live in God's space with God forever. You can eat anything in this whole garden except for don't eat off that one tree. Isn't that crazy? I can do anything I want to. Free reign of the garden, right? But don't eat off that tree. That maybe worked for a while. We don't have a whole lot of chapters detailing that. So maybe it was five minutes. Maybe it was 50 years. We have no idea. But one day... This serpent slithered up, right? And he started to defame the character of God. That's exactly what he was doing, by the way. He came in and he said, did God really say if you eat off of that tree, you're going to die? Is that really what God means? Is God going to stick up to his word? Is, is, God got the, is that God's character? He starts to tear down the character of God, and before long they were picking and eating off that tree. Right? And what happened out of that? Separation from God. We were kicked out of God's space, and no longer do we have intimacy with God. That's what's happened so far in the story. We were created for intimacy with God. The character of God was defamed. Intimacy was broken. And we were sent out. And we're only three chapters in to the story of God. And then verse, or chapter 4 happens. Chapter 4 we see... Some characters introduced, Cain and Abel, and we'll get there. But it says in 4, Adam knew his wife, Eve, intimately. They, you can figure it out, right? And she conceived, or got pregnant, and gave birth to Cain. So here in chapter 4, verse 1, we see that Adam and Eve got together, and they conceived, and they gave birth to Cain. Um. This is interesting for me just as a side note because the command of God to man was what? To be fruitful and multiply. 
They're kicked out of the garden, and it seems like through kind of what's happened here, maybe at the end of three, they've entered back into at least somewhat of a relationship with God. They're trying to follow God, trying to do things God's way. And it says that she got pregnant, and she gave birth to Cain. And she said, being Eve, I have had a male child with the Lord's help. So she even gives credit to this to God, right? I'm not living in God's space. I'm not walking with God, but I'm still trying to follow God, and I'm giving credit to God is what's happening. It seems like there's at least been some kind of restoration of somewhat of a relationship. Nothing like what it was meant to be, but at least there's something there. And we see that she gives credit to God for this birth. Can you, can you just read it maybe like this? Oh, man, God gave me a child. That's amazing. Praise the Lord. That's something like what's happening in, in this. I have had a male child with the Lord's help. Then she also gave birth to his brother, Abel. Anybody see the difference in that? Has Cain, oh man, praise God, I've had Cain, a boy child with the Lord's help. Oh yeah, and I also had Abel. There's like a preference here, right? Like you can tell who the favorite kid is right here in this moment. There's who the Lord gave us and then his younger brother, Abel. Even Abel's identity is tied up in Cain, right? His younger brother, Abel. We don't get anything about Abel except for he's tied to Cain and Cain is, man, he's a blessing from the Lord. So you can see maybe that Eve has a favorite kid here. And it says, now Abel became a shepherd of a flock, but Cain cultivated the land. Let me just reframe that for you. Um, I don't know if anybody reads the Bible like I do, but I'm kind of weird and I'm like, uh, I see it kind of unfold. Uh, so what I'm seeing here is Eve's really excited about Cain and then there's Abel, right? Cain's like this awesome child that's from the Lord. And then, oh yeah, we got Abel. There's no like praise God for Abel. It's just like, yeah, I got a younger brother. His name's Abel. Um, and then it goes on. And it's like, oh, and by the way, he's a shepherd, was a shepherd, right? Like we've not seen any shepherds up to this point in time. He invented a new profession here. He's a shepherd. So there's maybe this conversation of here in the story, what in the world is a shepherd? Oh, well, Abel, he's kind of weird. He's the younger brother. He hangs out in the field and talks to animals all day. That's what he does. But Cain, man, he cultivates the field. He's a manly man. He's like bronze tan. He's out there planting carrots. He's, he's following in dad's footsteps because what was, what was dad doing? He was in charge of the garden, right? So we have Cain, who's this child who's like, man, he's this child from the Lord, and he's following in dad's footsteps, and we're really proud of Cain. And then we have weird little brother Abel, who talks to animals. It's kind of the way I read it. Maybe it's not the way you read it, but it's kind of what I'm getting from it. And it says, but Cain, he cultivated the land. And it says, in the course of time, Cain presented some of, his, some of the land's produce as an offering to the Lord. So we see Cain has this idea one day. We don't know how long time has passed, but after some time, Cain's like, you know what? I should give an offering to God. Now, he's probably seen this happen before. This is the first recorded offering, but it's, it seems that Adam and Eve are trying to follow God. They're following in the you know, like one command they have, right? And uh, they're thanking the Lord for their kid, at least one of them. So, so they've probably seen some kind of sacrifice or offering happen in between uh, three and four, and he's probably experienced this. And he's out farming, and he's like, man, I should probably give some of this back to God. It's a really good idea, isn't it? God gives us something, we should give back to God. In thankfulness, we should make an offering. And that's what he decides to do. I'm going to make an offering 
to God. And he presented some of the land's produce as an offering to the Lord. And it says in four, and Abel also presented an offering. So Abel sees this and he's like, man, that's a good idea. Brother gave an offering. Brother is this child that everybody loves. He's like the favorite. And, and I want to be kind of like brother. So I'm going to come in and I'm going to present an offering because he presented an offering. It's a great idea. So Abel also presented an offering. And it says he presented some of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. So he presented some of the firstborn, the, the best, the choice, the, the, the very best that he had. Before Abel got a cut, God got a cut is really kind of what that word means. He presented some of the firstborn of the flock and their fat portions. And it says the Lord had regard or respect or he accepted Abel and his offering. But he did not have regard or respect or accept for Cain and his offering. And Cain was, like a lot of us would be, furious, right? It was my idea. I did it first. I, I, I gave the offering first. He just followed up. This is just him coming in on my heels, and he's still in all the glory and the credit. Like, I gave, and he only gave because I gave. If I wouldn't have gave, he probably wouldn't even gave. Like, this is kind of what's going on in Cain. And I, and I think this is kind of an amazing moment for us because it's a question that probably we would ask, right? Why wouldn't you accept my offering? Anybody ever read that and think, well, that's just not really kind of fair? Cain presented an offering. He went first, and then Abel come, and he presented an offering. And he, it was, he just did it because it was his idea. God, why would you accept Cain, but we wouldn't accept Abel? Why would you do that? I've thought that before. I read the Bible sometimes, and, and I'll, in the past anyway, used to have sympathy for some of these people, and then I realized that they're stupid people like me, and they do stupid things, and we don't really even deserve sympathy. So um, I, I've seen this before, and I've been like, God, why would you treat Cain so bad? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? probably what Cain was thinking. Why would you do that? Why would you accept little brother's offering but not accept my offering? See, Cain is not a man that's used to being the second best, right? He's been accepted his whole life. He's been the kid that's like everything's about him and he's the firstborn and he's the child of the promise. He's the good kid. He's used to that. And then Abel's used to, well, I mean, I'm just here and I'm weird and people don't really like me. And then, and then God steps into the picture and God has regard for Abel, but he doesn't have regard for Cain. chooses, and God's just like, well, I don't really like Cain because other people like Cain. Well, if we're a well-liked person, maybe God doesn't like us. So like, we, we need to know what's happening here on, on the page. And, and it's found up here in, in the wording. It's not an issue with, like, God doesn't like vegetables, by the way. If you look at Leviticus, God makes kind of provisions for people who would bring in grain offerings, these cereal offerings, offerings of these vegetables. So, so that's not the issue here. The issue is found in the wording, and it says, Cain gave some, right? But Abel gave the best. Cain gave some, and Abel gave the best. I don't know what this looked like or played out like. I don't know if Cain was like, man, I have a lot. Uh, I'm going to take these, and God, you can have these. Or I have a lot, and God, you don't, you're not really going to eat these anyway, so you can have the rotten ones. Or like, I don't know how that played out. But I know that Cain gave some, and Abel gave the best. And, and God looked at that offering, and he had regard, or he accepted Abel's offering of the best, but he didn't accept Cain's offering of the sum. 
And Cain saw that, and, and it, it just it frustrated him. God, why in the world would you not accept my offering? Maybe they were the best-looking carrots ever, except for the ones that he kept, right? There's a strong argument to be made. At least I gave you something, right? Could have been like, you know, these guys over here not give you anything. I gave you something. But God wouldn't accept anything other than the best. So he had regard or he accepted Abel and his offering. And he didn't accept Cain and his offering. It's not just about vegetables and meat here. Can I just say to you... um, It's not about the vegetables or the meat. Those things are outward signs of an inward position. See, what we give is just an outward sign of how inwardly we feel about God. Now, some of you immediately went to money, and we're going to shut down now, and I'm not even talking about that. In in some, I am, because we give money. But I'm talking about, like, us everything it doesn't just stop at money it's not whether i put in 10 percent, 20 percent, 12 percent, 2 percent. it's not about that it's what am i holding back from god if god gets my spare time i didn't give god the best and if i'm not willing to give god the best cut then how do i inwardly feel about god see all of that comes out in what we give to god We we tie that to like every area of this thing, couldn't we? Every area of our being, wherever we're holding back from God, shows how we inwardly feel about God. So Cain gives some because he feels like God's worthy of something. But Abel gives the best because he feels like God's worthy of the best. See, it's an outward show of an inward position about how we feel about God so the reason God had regard or respect or accepted Abel's offering is because Abel looked and he saw God for who God really was worthy and Cain looked and he saw God as second seat I'm worthy of the best and God can have the rest and that's not acceptable as an offering to God. It's better not to give than to give second best. So it says God looked at this and he didn't accept Abel or his offering, but he did accept, or sorry, he did accept Abel and his offering, but he didn't accept Cain and his offering. And Cain was furious and he was downcast or depressed. He went and sat in the corner with arms folded and yelled a lot. He was frustrated. He threw a temper tantrum. And then in 6, we see this thing happen. Um, The first time we see God speaking into a story after 3, right? And God directly speaks to Cain. And it says, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you so mad? What's up? Why are you downcast? God's saying, "Why, why are you sitting over here in the corner throwing a temper tantrum? Why are you doing that? And then God says, if you do right, won't you be accepted? You notice how he just leaves out the offering altogether in that? If you do what's right, won't you be accepted? 
And I think for many of us, we, we read that and, and we go to, well, Cain's acting like a jerk here. He's throwing a temper tantrum. He's sitting in the corner. He's mad at God. That's not the issue that God has here. That's not even what he's talking about. If we focus on he's throwing a temper tantrum, we've missed the whole point of the whole story. Or some of us maybe rewind and we're like, okay, well, it's the offering. There's an issue with the offering. So we're going we're gonna to back up and we're going to focus on the offering. Uh, and God's saying, if you do what's right, like if you present what's right, won't you be accepted? Well, the problem is he doesn't say, won't your offering be accepted? God's not even talking about the offering here. It's not about vegetables. And it's not about this carrot versus that carrot. That's not it. What God's talking about is... is is inwardly there's an issue the issue yes affects everything outwardly but the issue is not i didn't give god the best carrots the issue is my heart doesn't see god as the best this this other stuff is just a reflection it's it's a reflection of the the sickness that's inside of me See, when we look at this, what happened is Abel, he's grown up in this family and then Adam and Eve used to walk with God and they would meet in the garden and no doubt he'd heard these stories about how there's this God who breathed everything there ever was into existence. That in the beginning, there was only God. And in that God, he made every single thing that, that we will ever experience and a lot of stuff that we won't. That this God, in just through the words of his mouth, spoke the heavens into being. This God, he spoke out all the stars, all the universe. This is that God. He existed before it, and he brought it into existence. He'd heard these stories. He'd heard the stories about how mom and dad used to play in the garden with God, how they used to walk, and then God would show them things, and he'd be like, hey, what do you want to call that thing with the long neck? And they would get to name it. They've heard that. They've heard how mom and dad used to embrace God, and probably even a longing from Adam and Eve to go back to that moment. See, Abel had a perspective of God that was, man, God is first. He made it all. He deserves it all. He, he had God in the right position, in the right place, in the story. This is not a story about Abel. This is a story about God. It's not about what I want to do. It's about what God wants. He had God in the right place. And through that, his heart was in the right spot. And his actions through that were in the right spot. But Cain looked at God and he thought, eh. He's okay. He's okay. I mean, he's God. I believe he's God. Heard the same stories. I know exactly the same amount of information that my brother has. I know that God made everything, and I know mom and dad used to walk with God, and I know they want to go back there, and he's okay. You know, I'll just be honest. If there is an attitude that plagues the church worse than anything else today, it's a heart like Cain. Eh, God's okay. I feel like you can find the church on this page, right? I mean, I'll give God something. I'll show up and I'll sing some songs and I'll put some money in and I'll try to be good I'll I'll give God something 
That's a Cain-like heart. And it flows from a perspective that's very much like Cain's. God's okay. Not really that impressive. I'm not in awe. I've heard the same stories. I know the same gospel. But I'm just not that thrilled with God. I'm just not that thrilled. And out of a heart that's not very thrilled with God, what happens is we begin to put ourselves in the place of God. Man, I worked for these carrots. I was out there and I was digging the ground and I planted the seeds and I watered them and I sweat for them. And, and like I'm the one out here doing all the work, so shouldn't I get to enjoy the first fruits and I'll give God what's left? I'm going to give him something. He's God. He deserves something. But I deserve the best. Did you see the issue with that? Who, who's in the number one place there? Cain is in the number one place. Maybe we are in the number one place. And it's not that we don't care about God, and it's not that we don't want to do God things. It's just that I get to be in the driver's seat, and God gets whatever is left. So if I don't have time, or I find something better to do, or I got an option B, or I need to do this thing, then I'm going to meet my needs, and I'm not really going to worry about what God wants or needs. Because, I mean, he's God, and he's okay. But I'm just really not that impressed. And this is the heart of Cain. They both gave. They both heard the same stories. They both grew up in the same house. They both, if they worshipped, they went to the same place to worship. They shared the same family, same space. They breathed the same air, but their hearts were in two totally different places. And it brought two totally different actions. And God says, Cain, think about it. If you do what's right, won't you be accepted? If you put me in the right spot, won't I accept what comes? Whether the best carrot you got is a rotten carrot or it's that one. I'll take what you got. But you got to see me in the right space. He says, if you do what's right, won't you be accepted? Then he says this, but if you do not do right, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. God warns in that same sentence, Cain. He warns him. I think this crushes the argument of God doesn't care about Cain, doesn't it? God didn't care about Cain. Hey, he didn't give me the right stuff, so figure it out. Good luck. He didn't say that. God is a loving God, and he even loves Cain. 
Cain has a heart that says, God, you're second best to me. And God still in this moment loves Cain and he loves Cain enough to warn Cain. And he says, if you do what's right, man, I will accept you. It's, it's just, you just got to switch your perspective around. If, if you do what's right, I will accept you. And he's not talking about if you go through the right actions or give me the best carrots. He's talking about put me in the best seat. If you see who I am and acknowledge who I am and live your life out of that moment, I'll accept everything that you do. But if you don't, I just want you to know sin is crouching at the door. This is the picture that he has. Sin is crouching at the door. It's like this wild animal. What's he say? Its desire is for you. This word desire is a word that even, even gives this picture of intimacy, right? Sin desires to be intimate with you. You've got to master it. Sin wants to kill you, and it will intimately entwine itself in your life, and you have to master it. You've got to master it. You gotta master it. The amazing thing in there is we can. Because God wouldn't say it if it wasn't a possibility. We can rule over it, it doesn't have to rule over us. And we have to. So how do we do that? Right? That's that's the question that flows from the whole story, right? How how do we do that? Can I just say that the sin in our life comes out of, flows out of a messed up perspective of our God. The sin in our life flows out of a messed up perspective of our God. The original sin, right? Go back one chapter. The original sin, what happened? We start degrading the perspective of God. Before that, Adam and Eve, man, God is so good. He meets with us every day in the garden. We get to hang out with God. This is amazing. God is so good. Hey, maybe, do you think God meant that? Do you think, do you think God means that? Do you, do you think, like a loving God, he wouldn't really kill you. Not a loving God. Maybe he's not loving you ever thought about that? Because if he would kill you, he can't be a loving God. I bet, I bet, I bet he doesn't want you to be like him. He's trying to keep something from you. Because if you're like God, if, you, if, you're, if you're like God, then and you, you know stuff like God, he can't, he can't rule over you. you. You should hate that. God's holding back. What's the snake doing? God doesn't want what's best for you. And he messes up the perspective of God. And in the moment he flips the perspective of God to God's holding back, God just keeping something from me, God's mean, God doesn't love me. The moment he flips the perspective, what happens? Yeah, you're probably right. But the sin didn't come from, I wanted this apple. The sin flowed out of, man, I don't see God as supreme. I don't see God as a treasure. He's not beautiful to me anymore. I've degraded the character and the picture of God to the point where anything else can go in the place of God, even this fruit. Isn't it fitting that the thing they like sold everything out for was a piece of fruit? <laughs> Most of us don't even eat fruit, right? If it's not meat, do not eat, right? Like, <laughs> And they sold their whole relationship with God out for a piece of fruit. 
We see that happen throughout the Bible, don't we? David sold the kingdom for sex. Esau sold the birthright for some soup. A lot of this is tied to food. That's an issue. But it's all a perspective issue, isn't it? It's all a perspective issue. Can I just say to us, to me, to you, if we don't have our perspective of God in the right spot, sin is crouching at the door. And it wants to be intimate with us. It wants to steal and to take and to kill and to destroy everything good God has placed in our life and has come into our life. It wants to rip those things away. Sin is not our friend. Sin is not something, some, some secret pleasure, right, that, that, that's really kind of good for us and God's just keeping it from us. That, it's not sin. And some of us, man, we have these little sins in our life that we kind of shelter, right? Nobody knows about it. It's not hurting anybody. It's killing us. It's killing us. And the reason why is this. Those things, it's not not the sin that's the issue. That's just an outward thing, but it's an outward sign of an inward position. That we just don't see God as more beautiful than that thing. We don't, we don't see God as the treasure that he is, so we allow that thing to exist in the garden of our life. Whatever that thing is. And God's saying to us today, if you do what's right, if you, if you see me in the right spot, man, you, you can master this thing. If you, if you change your perspective, you can master this thing. But until you see me as the most beautiful thing, as you see, until you see me as the treasure, this thing will always master you. Until I'm supreme, until I'm most valuable, this thing will always master you. And if you want to master it, you've got to put me back in the right spot, in the right seat, in the right place. You've got to see me. You've got to see me. So my question, I guess, to us today would be, like, if we were to examine our lives, maybe for some of us today, we just need to do that, right? Like, if if we were to examine yesterday, what does our yesterday say about who God is? The things we chose yesterday, what does that say about what we believe about God? The things that we give to God, what does that say about what we believe about God? Like the way we serve in church, what does that say about what we believe about God? I show up and I do the thing. I show up and I go through the motions. What does that say about what you believe about God? You may be here early every single week, but what does that say about how you believe about God if the heart is not in the right spot? I show up because nobody else will, and I'm always frustrated about it because nobody else will. What does that say about how we believe about our God? And I could go through, right, like action after action after action after action after action, but in reality, we know. We know. So I just want to ask us today, like maybe just for the next few moments, we can just examine 
Like if, if everything that happens outside of me is just a reflection of who I believe God is inside of me, then what do I believe about this God? 